in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome to the CEO Raider podcast. It is your host, John Mayetta. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, please review us. It helps others find us. Visit us at ceoraider.com where you may anonymously rate or review your CEO or company. Check out our technology blog at techtoday.com, T-E-K-2-day.com. Today I wanted to talk about RPA robotic process automation because not all RPA is created equally. What do I mean by that? Well, there are three flavors of RPA as I see it. One, I'm a services provider. I'm a services company, a technology services company. You're my customer. Let's say you are a manufacturing company. You hire my firm. We come out and we write custom bots for your processes. So they're specific to you and we deliver them for a, a, a fee. We could bill you any number of different ways. We could bill you at the beginning of the project, midpoint, at the end of the project, flat fee for the, you know, the entire project. We could bill you for hours, combination of the above. So sort of a traditional IT services company. That's, that's one flavor. In that particular flavor, if I'm an investor, I view that flavor least valuably. So for a, in terms of a multiple basis, I would apply the lowest valuation multiple to that business versus the other two. So the, the, the second flavor of RPA would be if I have RPA tools in my portfolio and I sell you those tools. So sort of the way the old SPSS, if you remember SPSS, the analytics company before it was acquired by IBM, it had a, a series of statistical tools, packages that it would sell people and they would you know, use it to, to build whatever models they were building, this type of thing. It wasn't so much in an in, in application. And the second flavor of RPA is the, the tools flavor. I know the, the folks at Automation Anywhere have, I'm not sure if their entire product portfolio is, is tools, but tools is a big piece of it. So on the, on the tools side, a company would say, okay, here is our tools package, and you may use it to write your own bots. And so the way the folks at Automation Anywhere are approaching the market, they're trying to get business users to use their tools. So the way I think of the world is you have power users and business users. Power users would be, on the statistics side, the, the person with a PhD in stats that would, that would use tools provided by SPSS or, or SAS down in Cary, North Carolina, and, and use those tools to build models. On, on the RPA side, you know, a power user could be somebody who's well-versed in bots, they're, they're uh, they don't necessarily need a PhD in stats. It's not the same users on the statistics side. But let's say maybe they're the software engineer. So they feel comfortable around software. So for them to use visual commands to create bots, for example, is, is easy for them. So not exactly apples to apples in terms of power users, but a, a more sophisticated user is perhaps an easier way to say, to describe rather a, a power user versus a, a business user would be somebody who has responsibility within a line of business, but writing code or writing bots, creating the tools that may help drive operating efficiency in their business isn't necessarily what they're expert at. They're at expert at selling widgets, marketing widgets, accounting for widgets, not building tools that automate workflow within their department, their division. So Automation Anywhere, through their tools package, if you will, are democratizing bots, bot capability, the way SPSS and SAS democratize 
statistical tools capability. So that, that flavor, flavor two, I would give, I would allocate a higher valuation multiple to versus the services company that is creating custom tools that's throwing a lot of bodies at it. So if you want, in terms of how investors look at this, if you want a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, we value businesses that more readily scale. So in the first example, that services company has to allocate people to that process to, to, to understand the client's workflow, to create custom tools, to get sign off with the client. It's, it's a people intensive business. It's not as scalable. The profit margin isn't quite as high. So therefore you wouldn't allocate as high of a valuation multiple as in scenario two, where you have a portfolio of, of tools that have already been created, that they're, they're predefined, they're a complete offering a completed offering. And it's just a question of going out and selling them and getting people to, to, to use them. And there may be a, a, a bit of a, a consulting effort, a bit of a consultative seal around these RPA tools, given that RPA is a newer space, but it's nowhere near as people intensive as scenario one. And it certainly has healthier profit margins and therefore you would add it and it's more scalable. So therefore you would allocate a, a higher valuation multiple to scenario two. Scenario three, would be the folks at SSNC, as an example, where, where RPA is embedded in a technology platform where the vendor, SSNC, has created bots to automate processes on, on their end, and they're selling that technology platform, that hosted platform, that cloud platform, that software as a service platform to customers. And so in that example, we would value that scenario as one would value an application software company, whether that software is delivered in the cloud, like salesforce.com as an example, or behind the firewall, but you would value that company more in the vein of a traditional software company. And that type of business, scenario three, is most scalable because it's a predefined platform. It's just a question of selling it. And therefore, it's scenario three that investors would allocate the highest valuation to. It's the most scalable it's the most profitable. And some may say, well, wouldn't scenario two be more profitable if you're pushing the work out to the customer and having them build whatever it is they're going to build, whatever bots they're going to build using your tools? Good question, but life isn't so simple. Typically, it doesn't work that way. When you're bringing a new technology to the market, there's a period, and it's not a period of months, it's a period of years, where you have to educate the market. And so that little bit of a consulting layer, a consulting wrapper that I mentioned in scenario two with the RPA tools, that wrapper is not going away anytime soon. There's always going to be a, again, what I'm calling consulting, some may say services, but it's a, I view it as consulting because you're actually verbally educating there's a training element involved there as well so that consultative layer is going to be there for years and frankly in my experience i can't think of one company that sold tools where that consulting piece ever went away it's usually there to stay for life that's all for now see you next time